Hello, y'all, and welcome to the Candy for Trees podcast. My name is Persephone Jam, and I am your host with the most this fine Thursday. As you may know from last week, today is Storytime and Writing Thursday. So, as we continue, bear in mind that we'll be talking about writing and how it works, especially with a few story examples either from my own stories or from someone else's. And today's topic is the hero's journey. According to the blog at readsy.com, it is the hero's journey is a classic story structure that is shared by stories worldwide. This is a direct quote, by the way. And it says here that it was coined by academic Joseph Campbell in 1949 and refers to a wide-ranging category of tales in which a character ventures out to get what they need, faces conflict, and ultimately triumphs over adversity. Now, if you look at story structure throughout the world, you'll find that I've seen several different ways of describing this, but it's almost like venturing down into death and being reborn. That's the best way I've heard it described. Cause like, it's almost like if you were to put it in terms of a building, you would kind of start in the middle or start at the bottom, I suppose. I, I, it would depend on where you're at in the story, but really like you would start on the middle floor of a house and then you'd go down in the basement and then you would rise up into the top. So, or maybe you would be, maybe you'd even start in the basement and rise up to the top because a classic hero's journey story goes into like an ordinary world before the hero knows about the challenge or what they need to accomplish and ends up rising, going down into the dark night of the soul. I've heard it described several ways, but the dark night of the soul is the best way I know how to describe it. I believe the Dark Knight of the Soul term comes from the plot structure Save the Cat, which is based off of screenwriting. And so we'll tie a little bit of Save the Cat in with Hero's Journey, because I love both structures. And so, as we said before, the Hero's Journey is based, is a, like, the structure of several Many, 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 many stories throughout the world. I believe even the Odyssey and several Greek myths and, and stories before that are heroes' journey stories. Give me one minute while I find some references on Save the Cat. So before we go on, I am not a plotter when it comes to writing, talking, doing anything. But I have found some interesting info about plotting from when I tried to plot and <laughs> failed miserably. And honestly, the way I plot is by writing the same story over and over and over and over and over again and banging my head against a wall until I can get somewhere. And that's honestly how I wrote my first play, Lavender and Scissors. And pardon the screaming in the background, my husband and housemate are having a grand old time doing their thing in the office. And so about plotting, I don't know. I, f I find that it's useful for some, but not for others. And so it's a fun time for someone who doesn't plot. <laughs> but you can find several different examples of this 
plot structure along with the hero's journey. This is Save the Cat. You, it's mainly a screenwriting technique, but you can also use it for writing books. And I guess in some extent writing plays, because uh, Lavender and Scissors started out as a book. But so here, let me look, let me find some examples of Save the Cat. Um, so I'm on a site called savannagilbo.com slash blog slash plotting hyphen save hyphen the hyphen cat. And I will put a link to that in the description of this episode. So a few things we get here, and this is kind of how it starts and stacks up with the hero's journey. I'm going to bop back and forth between tabs on my laptop. So if you hear clicking and typing and stuff like that, you will also see... You'll also get why I do this in a minute. So we have the opening image, which kind of coincides with the hero's journey in the whole, like, ordinary world type thing, where the hero doesn't know much about what's going on. They have their ordinary world. They're just bumbling along in their own, like, head. And then all of a sudden, the theme is stated, where, I don't know, it's my goal whenever I write especially something new after Lavender and Scissors, to state my theme early, early on. Because either with words or with action or with dialogue. And it's very important to get the theme stated here because this is what will guide the story. This is the why. This is why we're reading this story. And so the whole opening image, theme stated, and setup, which is kind of like how this whole ordinary world stacks up will stack up with the ordinary world in the hero's journey, I've noticed. And so you have the catalyst, which is in the hero's journey, referred to as the call of adventure. And then five, step five in Save the Cat is the debate, also known as refusal of the call. So like, this is, it, it coincides loosely here. But a lot of the time, the, there's, in like a classic story, you'll get like the hero bumbling along in his ordinary world, or her or ordinary world, or their ordinary world. And then all of a sudden, like, something happens. Something eats at them. Like, there's a quest. They want to go on the quest, but they're not sure. And then they meet a mentor. Let's see where this stacks up in the hero's journey. And save the cat. Where, I would say it falls... If I had to guess, it would be break into act two, because a lot of these stories have three acts. It's not like Shakespeare, where you get five, and kind of where I'm writing Sword and Spyglass, the working title for the second play, where you have the break into the second act, which is kind of like you don't ease into it. It's where the story really begins. And so the mentor time, and what else, what else, what else? The mentor time and crossing the first threshold. Crossing the first threshold is break into act two, really. And so you meet the mentor, which will kind of guide you through it. And a lot of times the mentor character dies. I don't know why, but the mentor character just freaking dies. And so you get the break into act two, tests, allies, enemies. And let's see how it stacks up here. Midpoint, fun and games and B-story are kind of like tests, allies, enemies. And you stack up and you got to go to the climactic point. The highest point, the highest action of the story is the midpoint. And then... After the midpoint, it's like you think they're going to win. It's like a false high or a false collapse if you're writing a tragedy in that case. And then the bad guys close in. And then you get all is lost, where it's like this whole, like, I've lost. I can't go on. And then you have the dark night of the soul we were just talking about, which will stack up in the hero's journey as in, in approach to the inmost cave, where it's like, 
You're going in, you're going in, you gotta amp up, go in to fight the bad guy. And then you have the ordeal where all is lost. And let me go back to the ordeal just to make sure I got this right. Um, it's, it's which, in which the hero faces his biggest test of all thus far, says blog.readsy.com. And he, and it says here that the protagonist must now confront their greatest fear. If they survive it, they will emerge transformed. And it says, according to a person named Vogler, it will inform every decision that the hero makes from this point forward. Let's see who Vogler is, just to check. So, one second. Vogler... Ah, hold on. Boop, 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 Christopher Vogler. His name is Christopher Vogler. I just wanted to make sure I got that right. So let's go back to the ordeal. Because I, I don't know. This whole name thing kind of baffled me for a minute. Um, And so it will inform every decision that the hero makes from this point forward. And it's not always the climax of the story. But you can think of it in a, as the main event of the second act, the one in which the hero actually earns the title of hero. Ah, that's amazing, right? And so let's see how it goes back to save the cat. Then you have the dark night of the soul, and then finally you break into act three where things start to come together or fall apart for the hero. And you see things like raising the sword. Let's look at raising the sword on the hero's journey. So it's the reward. So it says here, our hero's been through a lot. However, the fruits of their labor are now at hand if they can just reach out and grab them. The reward is the object or knowledge the hero has fought throughout the entire journey to hold. And so, it's kind of like, it's, they call the third act in the hero's journey the return. And so, for example, Christopher Vogler says here, Luke rescues Princess Leia and captures the planets of the Death Star, keys to defeating Darth Vader. So it's kind of like, the way I understand it is, you grab it, and you're ready to go. You're ready to go do the last thing that you need to do. And so then you have the road back on the hero's journey. And it says here, the story is not over just yet, as this phase marks the beginning of Act 3. Now that he sees the reward, has what he needs, he's got to go back. So, now that he sees the reward, the hero tries to return to the ordinary world, but more dangers, ugh, inconveniently, arise on the road back from the inmost cave. More precisely, the hero must deal with the consequences and aftermath of the previous act. The dragon, enraged by the hero who's just stolen a treasure from under his nose, starts to hunt. Or perhaps the opposing army gathers to pursue the hero across a crowded battlefield, and there are further obstacles for the hero. So it's finally just the wrap-up. And then finally, you have Eleven, the resurrection. It's a true climax of the story, or kind of like a final exam, Vogler says. And they have to go through one more trial. And then you go home. You go home. And then sometimes it's possible for a story to end on an elixirless note. But then the hero would be doomed to repeat the entire adventure. And so you have to return home. And then in, if you look at Lord of the Rings, you'll find that it's difficult for them to return home. Sometimes they're unhappy. And sometimes, like, I hear there's a phrase, you can't go back to the farm after you've seen Paris. Paris, And it's hard to come back after you've been through a lot. Like, I find college kids experience this a ton. Like, when I came home from college, I didn't want to be there. I wanted to go back. I wanted to go do... 
all sorts of things that I could do in college. And so let's see how this stacks up with Save the Cat. So you break into three, and then you have the finale, which is kind of like a condensed version of Return of the Elixir, Final Battle, and Obtain the Reward. And then you have the final image. And so I remember I followed Save the Cat closely when I was writing this one story that would eventually become the tale of one of my characters, Cormand McDowell's mother and father. And the closing image and the opening image mirrored each other so well, in my opinion. That was one of the best things I did with that story. The story opens with um, Chan, Chan Marsh, um, Cormand's future dad, is driving up a mountain and there's a flash of light in a thunderstorm. And he was like thinking about seeing the stars because he'd just broken up with his ex-girlfriend. And all of a sudden there's this flash of light and his future wife zaps into being. And that starts the whole story. It's like, what is she doing here? And she's incredible. And she ends up just changing his life. And so he's been thinking about the stars off and on this whole time. The whole story is only about 15,000 words, if I recall. But the final image is, it's another thunderstorm. And everyone's freaking out. But then everything just is, ends up being okay. And the final line goes something like, and maybe tonight we'll see the stars. So it's the whole stars anchoring everything together. Now, if you wanted to do a quick analysis of Lavender and Scissors, my play, it would go something like this. I'll hit the high points because I know we're already a little over time. But yeah, here we go. So following Save the Cat, we'll go with that first. We have the opening image of Tara and Theo at the ball, uh, getting ready for the ball. And then you have that opening scene where they're talking about Tara's tragic backstory. They're talking about what happened with Tom. And that's honestly where you get the theme. It's like good versus evil. Like, what does that mean? What does that really mean to the characters, to the world that they live in, and stuff like that? And so that's opening image theme stated. And the setup really comes in when they're at the ball, and the ball gets invaded, and Kira Astros comes looking for her sister, Theo. And then they get taken away, and then Theo has to make a choice. Is she the hero, or is she not? And I would say the act, it breaks into two, honestly, at the end of Act 1, and then Acts probably 2 through 3, and possibly 4, are Act 2 in this story. Because it's a five-act play, and so you got to split it up somehow. And you definitely get a B story, number 7 in Lavender and Scissors, where it's like Simon and Theo's courtship, how that all stacks up. And you get fun and games, B story. And so finally, the midpoint is when things start getting serious for them. In later on in like act two, not, like act, not act two, act three, you get Prometheus, the father that's been missing for five years. And Theo meets him again. They teleport in and Theo just comes in, dad, and they hug. And it's this really beautiful moment that actually made me cry a whole lot. But then the bad guys close in. The Empire finds them, and they have to fight the Empire off, and then December, the town just north of them, gets destroyed. And so I would call this whole section like a descending, descending into the Dark Knight of the Soul. And 
honestly, when the Dark Knight of the Soul comes around, that's about when you bust into Act 4. And Act 4 is, honestly, the villain's Dark Knight of the Soul as well. Or, like, what's set up to be the villain. Because she's debating with herself, what does this mean for me? Can I be good? What does good mean? And that will also carry into the second play as well. But then you got to deal with the aftermath of all of this. And this is where I want to switch into the hero's journey a little bit. So... Let me find what I need. Um, yeah, so let me find this real fast. So I would call all of Act 3, in a really, really, really interesting way, the road back. Because you also get the rest of the elements of Act 3, because, but in the at the same time, you get the final exam type thing for many of the characters. There are, there's more than one real main character in here. There's Theo, the hero. But you also get Kira Astros, the villain who she's set up to be, and she conquers her demons as well. She gets a redemption arc. And that makes me very happy because I love her dearly. And so the road back is very, very hard. And honestly, I would call the final exam point when they're getting ready. Kira has had her Dark Knight of the Soul. Theo's freaking out because like she's got her powers. And then they're ready to go in. And they go in, and they save the day, and Kira dies. And she comes back to life three days later. Nobody's expecting it, and she wakes up and screams. And that's kind of the return with the elixir, but there's so many threads left that it sets up for a sequel. But she wakes up, screams, and says, Belle, I just had the greatest dream, and it ends like that. So, I don't know, I kind of do the hero's journey out of order. But the thing is, I wrote this by writing the same story over and over and over again. And I'm really, really proud of it. And I'd be honored if you'd check it out. If you found this episode interesting. So, I will leave you with a link to this play that I've been talking about and speaking of, Lavender and Scissors, my first play. And my name is Persephone Jam, and I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I am your host of the most, and I'll be back tomorrow for Freeform Friday. Thank you for tuning in to the Candy for Trees podcast. Have a good day.